Welcome to The Photo Report, where we have conversations with top-level photographers and other people that create for a living to hear stories about how they do what they do, how they've done what they've done, struggles along the way, in a way that hopefully inspires, encourages, and gets you to go out there and create more work. I'm Braden Flynn, your host, and this episode is with Paul Von Reeder, who is a talented and really knowledgeable photographer who's been in the wedding photography business for a long time and has a lot to share. We get into everything from how he got into it, to just some really deep stuff about dealing with burnout and how we got out of burnout. I think it's a really great one. I think you're going to dig it and hope you do. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you real quick about our sponsor, Film Supply Club. If you shoot film or you're interested in film, love film, it is the best place to get it at the best prices. An amazing community of some of the top photographers in our industry. You can check it out at filmsupply.club join. Now on to the show. Hey, welcome to The Photo Report. So excited to have Paul Von Reeder here. Paul, happy to have you and yeah, looking forward to chatting. Yeah, me too, man. Paul, we've known each other for a little bit and I just am excited to have this conversation because I think you've got some good stuff to share. But can you give, for people that don't know you very well, just a background of even like, what were you doing before photography? How'd you get in photography? And what are you, what do you focus on now? Ah, okay. So I feel like that's going to be a really long story and not uh, be a short answer. That's all right. I I picked up my first professional camera about ten and a half years ago. I was working as an executive account or executive account manager for a company called New Horizons Electronics. This is going to get really boring for a second or two, just so you know. It was a demand creation electronic distribu- distribution supplier. My job was to go and sit with electrical engineers and help them design the ICs and computer components and electronic components that we supplied into their designs. So just for instance, there was a design I worked on with a company called Linear Tech, who is a power company that designed a power distribution board for all of the electronic parking meters you see. So when you put your credit card into a parking meter and it reads your credit card and sends that information to the bank and charges it while you're right in front of your car there, I I designed a very, very small piece of that. Very small. (laughs) I don't get royalties or anything like that, but it's, you know, that's, that's, that's what I used to do. And uh, that honestly was a really great job. I was pretty young and I was, uh, making a great living. And, uh, it was one of those things that I think a lot of people would look at me and go, you're nuts to leave. But I kind of started to come into this realization that I didn't like who I was and I didn't like what I was doing. My entire life, I grew up understanding, like when I was little, I was like, I want to be a businessman like daddy. And that was kind of just what I followed my entire life through schooling, through college, through work, aside from a very random stint of trying to snowboard my way out of college, which didn't work so well. But I I got into this career path and just kind of lost my soul. And I started seeking whatever kind of creative outlet I could find. And for me, that ended up being taking pictures of my son. And someone in my my office, you know, got a really nice camera and was like, oh, I can get a really nice camera too. So I bought a nice camera and I went home and started pictures, taking pictures of Xander. Turned out I was actually kind of okay at it. I started reading the Pioneer, Pioneer Women blog. You know, she's on uh, Rue Drummond. She's on uh, Food Network now. And 
on her blog at the time, there was this very large, small, like corner in the, uh, on like the sub menu that talked about her photography. Cause she put up a lot of images of her horses and her ranch and stuff like that at the time. And she, I think she had like a, a Nikon D 700 when it like, just came out. And that was like what everybody wanted. And she was explaining how to use it and how aperture priority is a great way to start. I just kind of started following all of her instructions, started shooting Xander and, uh, some of our friends were like, Hey, those are really cool pictures. Will you, um, we take some pictures of our family. And I said, okay, that's kind of strange, but okay, no problem. So I ended up shooting uh, family photos for about four of our friends and my sister saw them and she had moved up to Montana at the time. One of her friends down here was friends with this girl named Gianna who was getting married. Long story short, through a big convolution of a uh, crossing lines, I ended up shooting uh, part of Gianna's wedding. And it was my first time shooting anything. I didn't know what I was doing. I uncle bobbed it. There was already a hired photographer. I had no clue what I was doing. And it was really nice. Actually, the other photographer was super, super nice and very encouraging. It was like, hey, why don't you come over and shoot this? Or can you help me with this? And it was, it was probably not how I'd act on a wedding day if uh, I showed up like that now. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, she was really sweet. Again, not really knowing what I was doing. I totally submitted those images for feature because somebody told me that's what you're supposed to do. And it got featured. So the first wedding I ever shot that made it ended up getting featured on the wedding chicks. And did that did that photographer know? Did that photographer see that? Reach out? My understanding is that she was on the way out. She was she was uh, kind of on being done, you know. She was a bit got older. Uh, again, super sweet, and I was so thankful for how kind she was to me on that day. But I think she, I think she was kind of ready to be done. And even, even Gianna, the bride was like, yeah, I think she's kind of done. She just doesn't have her heart in it, but her pictures were beautiful as well. Uh, just, I just don't think that she was interested in propagating her business anymore. Oops, sorry for reference. What year was this? If you can recall. Oh think. God. Um, so this was 10 years ago in May. So 2008 ish. Yeah. Right about nine, yeah. eight, nine, nine, I think. Well, no wait, math's hard. So, okay. <laughs> almost 10 years ago in May. So, yeah. So, and the other little kicker that came with that is it turns out that uh, Gianna was Gianna Sanfilippo of Chic Celebrations, um, which I think maybe you've worked with probably once in the yeah. past. So, she kicked me a couple extra weddings um, that uh, kind of catapulted me into the industry without, again, having any idea what I was doing. Just worked really hard, uh, tried to learn as much as I could. I was part of this really great Flickr uh, um, group called SWPB. Um, it was a really, really big group. Uh, lots of huge photographer names that were in it at the time that you've got, that a lot of your listeners or yourself have probably heard of, like Sam Hurd, Jonas Peterson, Sean Flanagan. The, Kind of, kind of more along the um, the progressive digital photographers with like you know the moody tones. Um, but mm-hmm. I learned an absolute amazing amount of information. Oh, and like Ryan Bernizer, who's in there, who you know basically coined the Bernizer method. What's the Bernizer method? Uh, it's it's honestly just a just a pano stitch. So you know when you get really close in on a subject and you kind of do a tight shot of their, their torso uh, with their head, and then from there you just spiral out with a bunch of images. Okay. And then you take that and you feed it into the Lightroom and you, you stitch that. And it becomes this, this photo with this absolutely unreal depth of field. You, huh. can, you, can, shoot, you can shoot with like a long high compressed lens at like uh, maybe like 2.8. And if you shoot enough images and get enough of a stitch going, that image will end up looking like it's a 0.8, you know, aperture image. It's amazing. So great, great community there that I learned a ton from them. And from there, I gained a lot of knowledge and was able to, you know, kind of have people to kind of lean back on and learn from and really cool network. 
And then I got, and I, I was, I shot a couple of weddings. I shot, um, Ashley Hartman, um, uh, her wedding to, uh, Franco Tenerelli. And if, if, if you ever watched the OC or if you watched, uh, American Idol, um, or if you saw the very first Carl's Jr. commercial where there was a quotation marks, hot chick cleaning, <laughs> cleaning tables and, uh, eating a, um, hamburger very seductively. That was Ashley, but I shot her wedding. It was kind of fun. And that was another wedding that was kind of, uh, you know, got a lot of people excited and, uh, that got featured on wedding chicks as well. Big shout out to wedding chicks. Honestly, they supported me a lot when I started out and that's back when, uh, blogs are really hot and, uh, just kind of up and coming. So I, uh, I think that grew my business a whole time was getting featured on there as much as I did. Did you know Amy? Did you like, how did that happen? You think? So I actually became friends with Amy through kind of a funny habit happenstance that harshly Ashley Hartman, by the way, you'll soon find that I've stumbled my way into wedding photography. Um, yeah. there's been a lot of dips and falls and just kind of eating gravel and then kind of picking myself up and figuring it out. And for those of you listening, Amy's the, and if you don't know, Amy's the founder of wedding chicks for reference, a- Amy and Jossie. Yeah. So, so with, with, uh, with that situation, I actually, uh, I actually mistakenly and unknowingly submitted the Ashley Hartman wedding to both style me pretty and wedding chicks at the same time. I didn't know that there was rules that you weren't supposed to do that. I just went ahead and did it. Got it. I was like, whichever one wins wins. And, and Amy kind of came back and scolded me. And, uh, and I, and I obviously apologized profusely cause I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I, then I realized how much of I like toe stepping I was doing. And from that point on, we just kind of slowly created a friendship and we've, uh, been, been friends, uh, for several years. She's a fantastic human being and, uh, has always, uh, really encouraged me and supplied a lot of support. Yeah. She's amazing. From, from those, uh, those weddings. I mean, I obviously was able to book a, a reasonable amount of weddings and I also did a lot of blogging on my own. My, my blog was relatively well visited looking back at the images that I was posting at the time, whether they were personal, professional, or, you know, just whatever it is, uh, it is quite always really surprising to figure out that people really wanted to come and look at that all the time. But, uh, I did a lot of writing too. And that was, that was, uh, I think a lot of people connected with that. So it was fun. And what came as a, uh, a very welcome addition to that is I, I ended up picking up the phone one day and it was an individual from the PR company that represents Nikon. And that kind of surprised me first of all, but he was like, Hey, so we're uh, going to go ahead and uh, ask you if you'd like to go to WPPI this year. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, set you up with a camera, um, a couple lenses, and we'd like you to come. It's full expenses paid whole week. You can take whatever classes you want. Everything again, your trip, your food, everything's paid for. And we just want you to blog about it and talk about it. So, and again, this is like, I'm only like four or five weddings in and they think I'm some big wedding photographer. So I was like, okay, cool. I, I went to that, got quite a bit of attention for that, which is really well, really, I mean, flattering. Back to just reference points. What year is this now? Oh, that's still 2009. Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, wait, no, wait, let me, let me rephrase that. No, that, that was definitely 2010. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely 2010. So that, that was a, a really, really fun experience. Um, I actually went with Carolyn Tram to, uh, I think I've interviewed before. Um, she was uh, kind of with the group with me and we basically had the opportunity to hang out with the entire Nikon crew the entire time. Got to meet Cliff uh, Mountner, Susan Stripling, um, a bunch of the Nikon reps that are kind of there at the show. Really, really great guys. 
I've actually kept in touch with them, uh, certain individuals for many years now. And it was just a really, really amazing experience. It was basically being thrown into the fire of, you know, uh, that whole community uh, and just having to kind of absorb it and act like you know what you're doing. That was a, a really, a really, really big turning point for me in the sense that uh, it gave me the, because at the time I was actually shooting weddings on like a Pentax K10D and like just like very, you know, kind of uh, consumer-esque APS-C frame, frame cameras. Uh, it wasn't really shooting film just just kind of doing what i knew to do and the the support from nikon because i was able to leave that experience with the gear that they gave me they they basically kind of gave me like a i almost call it like a junior sponsorship i don't really know what else to call it but we'll just call it that got a free camera i mean not a bad deal yeah, and they, but they also supported me with a bunch of other stuff down the road. I, they sent me, uh, I was one of the first people in the world to have their 3514 when it was released, which made me feel super cool. Um, and I, I, like, I remember getting it and like I set up a portrait session with uh, this really cute couple and ran out and like, you know, just shot everything that I could with a 35 and, uh, and blogged it that night and was just so fired up. And I think, uh, I think that night I had like, like 4,700 blog views and you know, to just a, a guy starting out that was like, Oh my God, I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I, I will definitely be the first one to say that at that point I started to get a little bit of a big head. I, I think I thought I was pretty cool. I learned really quickly after that, that I wasn't that cool. That, that was, it was a really nice cause that definitely made me think, Hey, this is something I really want to do for a living. I actually had a talk with my boss and I, we, we kind of came to an agreement that it was best that I didn't work there anymore. You could call that whatever you want, (laughs) 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 but it was really cool. I got, I got a really nice severance and uh, it was an amicable departure and uh, I went off on this uh, new adventure. I probably shouldn't have done it quite so soon. (laughs) (laughs) Explain that one. Uh, well, I think, I think when I talk to starting photographers now, I, I encourage them to hold on to that day job until they absolutely, it's not that they can't stand it anymore. It's that they can't handle the two jobs. Uh, it's much more intelligent for your business when you're starting out and for your family and for everyone involved that you dedicate that time and effort into your, your, your main source of income and and then have that as a fallback. I, I when I when I jumped out of that job, I was pretty solid financially, everything was fine. And then I spent probably the next about year or so finding out that owning your own business is not as easy as it looks, and that it is uh, definitely a challenge in one of the most competitive uh, industries on the planet. Until you kind of get your ebb and flow going, and you, you get to where you know you're 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 solid. But first couple of years is is always a challenge. So I'd have to say I, I probably uh, fell flat on my face. I actually ended up going back to uh, another company and worked for them for about six months because I had just gotten to a point where it's like, I'm not booking as much as I needed to. I was still getting great weddings and I had fantastic clients when I got them, but I didn't have quite the put through at the time. So I jumped in with both feet and quickly found out that it was too deep. So I had to go back and get a floaty. And the floaty was that other job that I kept for six months. Through that time period, I, I actually uh, I actually ended up getting divorced. That was uh, surprisingly not because of um, any of the the things that were going on with work. It was just some other stuff that uh, didn't didn't quite work out in a relationship, and that's okay. Uh, that would be Xander, my wonderful eleven year old's mom. Um, and uh, which is it actually ended up uh, you know at first it's tough and it kind of drags you down a bit, but uh, we're wonderfully great great friends now and Xander's a wonderful, awesome, well-adjusted child. So there's a silver line <laughs> that yeah. getting to, but, uh, in that, in that time frame, I, I learned a lot of lessons and I, I definitely grunted my way through, uh, building my photography business. And, uh, 
fell on my face a couple times. And I think one of the things is too, when you go through that kind of uh, impactful, and I, I don't think my clients have realized this other than the fact that a couple of them really had to wait a long time for images. You, you lose a lot of, um, of who you are or who you thought you were, and you have to find who you are again. Are you talking through the divorce situation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and I think that actually changed how I approached weddings and how I considered myself when I looked at my career and what I wanted to be and who I wanted to be and what, what wedding photography actually meant to me and also what photography actually meant to me in a, as a, as a whole. It, it, it's always, it's always really complicated to try and explain stuff like that when you're changing who you are over a slow period of time, because sometimes yeah. you don't always understand exactly what's really happening to you. Um, but if I, if I look back six years in the past and I see the person there and then I look at the person now, I don't even recognize that person. That's, that's how much a, a major life event and then basically dealing with it by struggling to reconnect with a career that, that, that attempted to change my life just previous to that. This is getting very complicated, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's good. I would say, what what do you feel like are the areas you've grown? If you, looking back at that six year ago self to this self now, what are the areas you feel like you've grown the most, and why? You know what's funny? I think it's self confidence. Yeah. I there's something about photography that grows your confidence in such an incredible way. And it's not confidence in the, the way of, you know, like, oh, I look good today or uh, I'm so cool or my hair you, looks nice. I don't know. <laughs> it does look nice. It's nice. I, I'm trying Thank to get you. the height out of mine and, and it's, you know. <laughs> the, do you think it's do you think it's becoming a professional, like becoming a true pro and really the confidence and like I know what I'm doing and I'm really and I'm good at it? I think you maybe, think there's that element? I think it's that, and it's also becoming who you are. Yeah. You, you quickly find out to get really good photos out of people, you have to connect with them, and you have to, and it can't be fake. Totally. So you, you, you learn that, or the, the, the most positive aspects of your personality, and you try to develop those as much as you can. And when you do that, it, it, you, you, I think you, you find out exactly who you are. And the positive aspects of your personality always end up being who you really want to be. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, that's, that's stuff that really interests me. I feel like the last few years, I've, I've really had to go through a lot of self-reflection. I've gone through a lot of counseling, figuring out things and, you know, for, for a lot of those reasons. And I mean, not a lot of the same reasons, but I think just out of you grow up a certain way and you do things for reasons you don't really know why you're doing them. And then all of a sudden you are. And then it's, it's sort of dissecting and looking back and going like, why am I all of these ways? Why do I why am I so impacted by these things? Why am I so averse to, you know, and I think marriage really 
makes you look at that in the mirror, you know, and because it's this big reflection where initially I, you know, would think that it's all my wife and it's like, obviously her issues when it's like, Oh no, it's actually reflecting back on my issues. Like, why am I having such a hard time with this? And having to then go through and figure out all of those things has been my last couple of years has been massive um, and brutally hard and, you know, humbling. And, but I also feel like I'm, I mean, still with my wife. I mean, we've had some really hard times, but we, I feel like we are in a really good place now. And a lot of that is me doing a lot of hard work on myself. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's something you absolutely have to do. I, um, I have to tell you, I have a, a enormous amount of admiration for you. I mean, we, we all see, uh, you and your massive band of amazingly adorable children. Um, <laughs> Thank it, you. are you just, are you trying to make the Von traps over there or what's going on? <laughs> we're, we're working on the songs. Okay, good. You just got to get yourself a whistle, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it is, it is a, I think, um, for a lot of people that are starting out and they see someone like you that has a beautiful family and is such a positive influence on the industry, it, 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 it's, it's very inspiring of its own right. Um, oh, thanks, man. I, I'm just the person that says like, hey, if you fall down and you take gravel in your knee, just brush it off and keep going. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's really the moral, the story of, of uh, all of my ups and downs. Like I can... I mean, I can, I can get into more detail, but but we'll save that all for another time. But within, within the the past 10 years, there's definitely been situations where not only have my, my, uh, my unceasing, just ridiculous luck gotten me through things or, or just tenacity and not giving up on things. I remember hearing from someone at WPPI that first year that I went that wedding photographers have a timeline of five years. Uh, as the gross majority of us go through the industry, I think it's something like, I, I know these could be totally wrong numbers, but I just, in my head, have always remembered 80% of the wedding photographers you look at in a room have a lifespan of five years. And I, I remember going, nah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat that. I'm going to beat that. And I've always kept that in my head. Every time I stumble, I fall and I go, this is it. You're stupid. This is, this is your, this is your five-year mark. This is your six-year mark. This is your seven-year mark. You, you, you got to be done now. And now, now that I've finally gotten past that, I'm, uh, you know, and understood that, that this industry takes a massive amount of tenacity and just getting back up and going and going and going. And every time I talk to a wedding photographer that's possibly uh, moved on from the industry or things like that, I, I do read the same kind of story from them. The difference is, the one difference is that they, they threw up their hands. Mm-hmm. So that's how you got to do, kids. Just, uh, <laughs> just keep, keep going. <laughs> That's right. No, I, it is, it's, I think it's a really, obviously the barriers to entry continually get lower and lower, especially as the digital thing. And, you know, like digital cameras become so easy to attain and pro gear, but the, I think what you're saying is true. It's like, it's really easy to get into it. It's really easy to book some gigs, but to actually turn this into a business and make a living is a whole different ball game. And it's, and it's a different ball game when you have roommates and you don't have a lot of overhead versus having a family and supporting your family doing this thing. It's, it's a, it's a different world and it's, it's, it sounds a lot easier than it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, I mean, that whole, that's again, this is, I think a whole another conversation we could have about the concepts of, you know, when we get like an influx of new people into the industry and how all the, the people that are in it kind of freak out a little bit and worry and all stuff. And 
I, I've always kind of just uh, not worried about it. I, I like to pretend that I'm confident enough to understand that there's a difference between what I offer and what those people offer. And yeah, there's a lower like level of uh, gateway of entry in there, but the way that I produce my imagery now is so different than what I did when I was in their position. So totally, I, I don't, I don't stress about new people coming industry. In fact, I'm excited about it. I want to help them. I want to talk to them. I want to make them, you know, not make the same mistakes that I did when I was going. That's, that's, that's actually why I'm trying to do more education now. Cause I, I, I found a new passion in that as well. Yeah. Likewise. No, it's, it's a big thing. And I, for, I think for people listening, I think you're probably, you can be on, I guess, three sides of the spectrum, but probably two sides where you're either newer to the industry or you've been in the industry for a while. And on the newer side, it's just, I think there's an importance to have an expectation of looking down the road. It's like, it's easy to, to have your face sort of right up against a wall and just see what's in front of you. But if you can, if you can look down the road and recognize like, okay, if, if the trajectory of most photographers is only five years, what are the things you have to do now to set yourself up so you can outlast that if that's what you're wanting to do. But then also for the people that have been in it for a while to just recognize like, yeah, things change, but how are you continually working on your business to keep getting back up on your feet and stay relevant and all that sort of stuff. I, I think when people ask me like, Hey, what's like, people are saying, what's it like? What do you, what do you do? And I, and I said, well, it's the exact opposite of a dry cleaner. Go on. I don't do the same thing every day. Yeah. And I have to constantly change what I do, how I market, how I present value, how I connect with people, uh, how I stir up a, a buzz about what I do uh, to, to bring people in the door. I can't just put up a, this. If you want a job where you just put up a storefront and people come in, this is not the job for you. If you want an exciting job where everything changes all the time and you have to, you know, really grind your soul away at it, but the reward is, it's greater than the financial gain. It's greater than, you know, just the success. Then this is the thing for you. Yeah, I love it. And with this is uh, a cheat because I know the answer already, but um, because we've talked about it before, but through the 10 years you've been doing this cycles of ever getting burnt out and and how you got out of like, and basically, I know you have and how did you sort of get yourself out of that and take us from going into it and then getting out of it? So the burnout, I think, happened uh, probably in line with um, with what I was talking about with the divorce and all that, yeah. and it, and it kind of drifted towards the end of that. Uh, like, because there's when that, you go through that, it takes a couple of years to kind of get your head straight. I can um, imagine. Don't worry, guys. There's nothing terrible happening. I mean, the worst thing that happened is I think I sat on my couch for three days and watched uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> now, when I say three days, we're talking same clothes, same couch, but you know. Yeah. Um, that was, that was the depth of it. Uh, but I mean, you, you, it does extend in different ways into different parts of your life. And I remember, um, getting really, really negative and, and looking at our industry in a really negative way and getting frustrated. And this was the time that I got frustrated at newcomers and then people that were undercutting me and, uh, and basically putting blame on everything else, but myself. And that, that, that helped help exhaust my love for wedding photography and it burned me out. And the, and I stayed that way for two years, I think. And the reason I stayed that way was probably because of the whole concept of, of never giving up on wedding photography and never giving up on photography in general. 
So I was just like, uh, I guess I'll just muscle through this. Maybe this is just who I am now. Maybe I'm just grumpy. <laughs> All the grump. Uh, basically, yeah. And honestly, you know, the, 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 the smallest things that changed it for me were uh, trying to be a little more healthy with my lifestyle. So I, I would go to the gym a lot. And I tried, I tried every time that something negative came into my head, I would, I would purposely try to look for the positive converse of that and, and just say, no, that's how I'm going to do it. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for just changing your mindset. I think so many people look for a magic pill that they're going to take and it's going to fix their burnout. It's going to make them love what they do again, but there's no magic pill. There's no, there's no ointment. There's no, there's no bandaid that you're going to put on it. No one's going to come and give you a hug and tell you everything's going to be better. You're the only person that can do that. You, you have to get up in the morning and say, I'm not going to be burnt out anymore. I'm going to love every aspect of what I do because I am so stupid fortunate to do it. There are people that have to get up in the morning at 7 a.m., 6 a.m., drive their ass to a thankless job, work their butt off for someone else, eat their bag lunch, or, you know, go to a nice lunch, but go back to work, watch that clock until it hits five, and then go sit in traffic, and then maybe get home and watch 30 minutes of TV, 10 minutes of a book, set up for the next day and do it all over again. We, we as photographers, we don't have to do that. We are, we're blessed to be given the opportunity to work for cl- wonderful clients that appreciate what we do and love our work. And we get to make an okay living doing it. I mean, sometimes I it's have pretty to pretty incredible. Sometimes I have to eat top ramen, like the, like, you know, just to get by, I put some vegetables in it. I've, I've gotten to that point where I can afford the vegetables, put the top ramen, but <laughs> sometimes the hot dogs too. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, you know, that, that I, I'll eat top ramen for the rest of my life to avoid the, the alternative. So every time I remember that, that burnout goes away because I'm so fortunate to get to do what I do, you know? And, yeah. and again, just to pulling back, all it, all it takes is just adjusting your perspective. It's huge. And realizing... Have you... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Do you listen or have you ever heard of a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, I, I don't I don't listen to Gary. I, he, uh, it's okay. I, I like him. I know a lot of people get a lot of inspiration from him, but he does this one thing that really bothers me. Uh, it's called affirmative speech. It's where you, you answer someone's question before they ask it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you follow it up with a very intense stare and go, Right? yeah he he definitely talks a lot like he knows everything but i i listen to him because he's just this encouragement for me to continually put out more content which i'm trying to do a lot of Um, but one thing that he says that connected with something that you said along the lines of you know it's like so often everybody is blaming everything else and that's not a good thing where he comes around and he says listen He's like, I am so happy because I got to this point where I have, I take 100% responsibility for everything in my life. You know, it's like there's, it is nobody else's fault. It is nobody else's, you know, job to be doing something else. It is 100% up to me to be getting these, these things done. If I don't have them, it's my fault. It's nobody else's, you know, that, that sort of a thing. And he's like, and I promise you, like, once you get to that point, you will be beyond happy and content. Yeah. 
there was a there's a thing that happened to me um, when I was younger. Uh, this is actually so I, I've kind of been a jack of all trades my entire life. Um, even though I kind of kept the path path towards business when I was younger, I've I've been everything from uh, a Laguna Beach lifeguard to an apprentice chef to a restaurant manager to owning a motorsports dealership with a friend, uh, then to, to you working know, on microchips. Yeah, to working on microchips. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've always kind of just kind of figured out fun stuff to do. But there was, I, I was working with, um, with, with the, as a restaurant manager for Islands Burgers, of all things. Uh, do we have to get permission to say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So I was in their management trainee program. And I was pretty young. I was uh, definitely one of the younger managers they've ever hired. I think it was like 22 or 23. And I was really excited to be working there. But, you know, at that age bracket, you're still kind of the guy that makes excuses for stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, you're young. So I remember this, this moment when I was, because in the mornings you have to very meticulously go through the entire restaurant and just, you have this like 98 point checklist of things you have to like check and change and take inventory for and do accounting for and all this stuff. And you, it goes as far as cleaning those weird birds they have hanging from the ceiling. You have to like dust them down and stuff like that. And I remember one morning I was, I was doing that and I was kind of just tired and daydreaming. And this is my training. And the, the, the training manager for the company came by and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh God, I'm so sorry. You know, um, I actually, uh, I've had ADD since I was a kid and, uh, I'm really good at self-managing it now. Don't worry. Uh, but uh, you know, sometimes I just get spacey and he just kind of, he's, and it felt really harsh at the time, but it's so meaningful what he said to me now. He looked at me and he very quietly, without anger or frustration or any kind of emotion, just looked at me and goes, no one cares. <laughs> and no one, no one is going to care. If you keep making excuses like that for the rest of your life, you're never going to get anywhere. Huge. So that little lesson I've held with me and, and kind of, it's given me strength. Like when I was trying to, you know, reflect and, and be more positive about everything and, and, uh, and pay more attention to, you know, being, being more gratitude, um, for what I was doing. And that, that also, you know, came to my mind. I was like, I'm like, Oh, this is so sucky. I don't feel good. And I was just like, but nobody cares. And that's okay. It's okay for no one to care because sometimes when no one cares, it's because your feelings are unfounded and silly and you just need to work through them and get them out and focus on something that's better and more positive. So yeah, that's, that's my little story. That's my, that's, that's my Gary Vaynerchuk moment. There you go. <laughs> Dude, it's, that's huge because I think everybody gets in those places and I would assume that out of all the people listening, I would guarantee at least half of this audience has resonated with those feelings and probably needs to hear that message. So thank you for sharing. It's a, it's an audience of creatives. I'm hoping so. I'm pretty yeah. sure ninety percent of them has ADHD. So totally. <laughs> and and I would also say that the the typical person who is driven for art probably leans towards perfectionism. Probably leans towards being really hard on themselves. And those are things that are not helpful for anything that you're doing, really. And it, and it needs like no one cares really. And you know, that point of just like, you need to get over yourself and just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. (laughs) Cool. Well, let's get back to photography. And, um, you, you use a term artisan photography. Um, can you explain that and what are you, yeah. What do you think about artisan photography? Uh, okay. So that, that actually came about because of the, the whole fine art thing. I, I'd have no. How everybody says they're a fine art photographer. 
yeah, that I'm shoots gonna, film? I'm, well, yeah, and I'm not going to say the negative about that concept either because it's such a subjective, you know, term. Right. Um, but I remember I, I actually went to Jose Villa's workshop back in 2011, and it was, it was eye-opening because I learned some things in it that I didn't actually recognize how to implement until literally maybe three years ago. Um, and then I saw other things that I was just like, I, this is weird. I don't understand why we're doing this. And I remember a lot of people calling themselves fine art photographers. And I just never could connect with that. And I was like, well, I'm going to Jose Villa's workshop and I'm shooting film. Shouldn't I be a fine art photographer? But I don't, I don't think my work is that. And I don't, I don't think it, uh, I don't think that I, I should walk around saying that. So for the last eight years, <laughs> I've been trying to figure out how, what, what, what it is that I bring to photography, what it is that I bring to wedding photography that's unique and different and, and, and what, what I can call my style. By the way, I don't own, I don't own this, this term either. This is, this can, anyone can apply this to, you know, their, their style as well, because I think that a lot of people are going to resonate with it once I explain what it is. The process, I think that fine art photography also attaches, uh, somehow, you know, it makes sense that it, it, people just assume that you're going to be shooting film. Um, I don't shoot all film. I shoot maybe one or two rolls at a wedding and maybe one during an engagement session. And I do that because I want to set uh, tonality quality to the, the images and it slows you down. And there's all, there's a hundred different reasons, but I'm mainly digital and I focus a lot on uh, the connection between my clients and uh, there's a, there's a good portion between of, of how I set people, but how hands I am, hands on I am with them. But I think really the single, when you get to the concept of artisan, it's an individual who creates art deliberately. And the thing that's always resonated me with, with me, with, with what I do, and this is another little tidbit of something that actually inspired me to go through with wedding photography. And I somehow ended up being able to connect this to the concept of what an artisan is. When I was taking pictures of my son, when I just started, and we were really into Kung Fu Panda and I would watch Kung Fu Panda with him probably once a day. And my favorite character from that is his dad, the, the duck, which yeah. I, I think he's the funniest guy in the world. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's a quote from it that has just stuck with me to make something special. You just have to believe it is special. So there's no secret ingredient. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's been watching Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> now, do you do that independently or do you do it with your children? <laughs> uh, no comment. So I, I always walked into a wedding saying, I'm going to take these shoes and I'm going to put them on this and I'm going to make them special. I'm going to take this couple and I'm going to put them in this field and I'm going to take a picture that's special. I'm going to take a picture of this dad choking up while giving his, his uh, father the daughter speech and make it special. I'm going to take a picture of the 98-year-old grandma, who this will probably be last, her last event, and it's going to be special. So that's where artisan kind of like came from, the concept of, of doing everything deliberately. Not just walking into a wedding and, and at a wedding and haphazardly pushing the trigger, which admittedly I think we've all done once or twice. Just kind of like, I'm just going to take all the pictures. Um, but I've really tried to pull myself back from that and be much more intentional with what I'm creating. So my clients hire me because of of that vision. They see that in my images. They see that they're controlled and precise, and I have a clear vision for what I think a wedding should look like. 
And that's, that's where that artisan thing kind of connects, connects to everything. Uh, and it's, you know, there's, a, there's definitely a crossover between the fine art concepts and, and uh, an artisan photography where you're, you know, you're, you're bringing extra things to a wedding. Uh, I'm bringing styling products, you know, I, I, even, I, have, I even bring extra veils sometimes. You know, anything I feel like would be necessary to help create more beautiful images on the wedding day. Um, I also, what goes with this is it's not just a one-sided thing. I interact a lot with my clients. I spend a lot of time with my clients, helping them understand what will create the best imagery for them. So it's almost like being a bit of a consultant as well. You know, there've been several of my, and we'll get into the wedding gown thing. I'm sure this is going to connect right to it, but, uh, several of my, my clients that buy that I'll, I'll be an integral part of buying their wedding gown. They'll be sending me pictures while they're trying them on. They'll ask about designers. They'll ask about accessories that they should bring or wear, uh, things like that. So in a way, it's instead of treating myself as a, um, just this, this image collector, I'm, I'm helping consult with people so they understand what's going to make their imagery look its absolute best. And it's all done in a very, uh, you know, uh, passive, non-intrusive fashion so that they, they feel like they're being supported as, as, instead of commanded, you know? Yeah. No, totally. I, I feel like there's that level of being able to earn trust with your couple where then they are actually coming to you as the expert and really like looking for advice that is obviously resonating with them, but being able to sort of help guide them in those directions. I, I love that element as well. And it goes to the groom too. I mean, I spend a lot of time with, uh, with my grooms explaining like, this is why you want a hand tied bow tie not the set one. This is why you need, um, brogue shoes or Oxford shoes, you know, or this is why you want to shine or not. This is why, you know, if your groomsmen are wearing, you know, a rental tuxes, just go buy yourself a tux. You're going to look way better. Um, and then talking about like, where are you getting married? What kind of color tux you want? It, it all, it all goes down to that kind of stuff. I'm also really particular about like, uh, the florist that they use or, you know, the coordinators they use and things like that. And I, and I try to provide that as a value add to clients. And that's, I mean, the, the artisan concept is still really evolving for me and I'm hoping to, uh, evolve it even more. Uh, I've got a couple workshops and educational tools coming out that are going to uh, help people understand what it is a little more and also let them utilize some of the strengths of the concept to provide better service to their clients to make their life easier. And then in the end, to upscale the imagery that they're collecting and creating. So they've got better content to show to attract a higher end client. I love it. And you, you have a workshop that you're doing out at WPPI. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a mini shoot shop. Uh, okay. it's, it's a, it's a really cool thing. It's, um, probably the first reasonably sizable production that I've been putting together. And one of the biggest things for me is I've, I've gone to WPPI every WPPI, <laughs> Uh, every, every year for probably, yeah, since, uh, since that first time at Nikon, there's always a bunch of shoots offered and that's cool, but I never shot at any of them. And the reason I didn't do it is because they always felt like they were thrown together or kind of, um, more of a, a fun event for everyone to get together and just kind of, you know, rub elbows and, and shoot and have a good time. And that's great. But if you're going to spend money, I want people to have to walk away with a significant amount of value. That's always been really, really important to me because if I went to a workshop and I've actually only ever gone to one workshop and that was Jose's, um, 
I, I, it was really important for me to walk away with the value. And when I see these workshops happening or these shoot shops happening at WPPI, I was like, ah, oh, God, I, wouldn't it be cool if they did this? Wouldn't it be cool if they had more of this? Wouldn't it be cool if it was more styled? Wouldn't it be cool if it was more wedding directionalized? So that like, maybe it's done at an actual wedding venue in Vegas. Like, that'd be great. Like, cause then, then you'd have content to maybe get hired at a cool wedding venue in Vegas. You know, I, I always felt like there was missing pieces from it. So, and I've been thinking about doing it for about the last two years and I just never got it done because we couldn't find the venue. Um, so we found the venue, <laughs> Rad. uh, and it, I'm not going to tell what it is, but it, it's pretty cool. Uh, and it, uh, it's one of those spaces that's an event space, so it can definitely be used, uh, for whatever. Uh, and then I got in touch with Carrie Moe from Type A Society. So uh, I don't know if everyone that's listening is familiar with her. She is an absolutely brilliant stylist. Uh, she also does wedding planning as well. Uh, she's been featured in, uh, oh God, I got to find up her bragwag sheet here, but a bunch of amazing stuff. Uh, you can find her on Instagram under Type A Society uh, and uh, just bring yourself a, I don't know, like an apparatus to hold your job while you're looking at her stuff. <laughs> yeah, her work is incredible. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Uh, so she's going to, she's, she's partnering with me and we're styling this and, uh, and it's uh, going to be pretty amazing. There's going to be five different stations, uh, two different couples, uh, lots of lay flat stuff. And we're gonna do some instructions on, you know, best way to shoot lay flat and kind of finding a way there or flat lay. I don't, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. I'm, I don't want to give away too much of the detail until I do the actual announcement, which will happen here in the next couple of days. But it's it's, okay. it's very exciting. Totally. And if we'll, we're going to keep going in the interview, so we're not totally wrapped up. But if people want to find out more about it, where can they look? Uh, right now, just watch my Instagram stories. Okay. Um, I'll be launching a, a site connected to my own site. Uh, it's basically just going to be. It, it, by the way, the name of it is the Artisan Editorial. Uh, we're going to be using that name in the future for a couple different other projects. Uh, but this one is the Artisan Editorial WPPI 2019. Awesome. Cool. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a really good one. Uh, want to get back into this a little bit. Uh, I won't take up too much more of your time, but something else that you've talked about to draw out of you is uh, yelling into the echo chamber. <laughs> talk to me about that. Oh, uh, this is okay. So this is actually something that I'm going to talk about in, in, in great deep depth in, uh, in uh, my workshop or my, my talking piece, because this is a, it's a really tough thing I think for a lot of wedding photographers here because we, we do work really hard to build community around us. And there's a lot of talk of, you know, uh, community or competition and, you know, love thy neighbor <laughs> kind of situations and stuff like that, which is, I absolutely support. Like we, it's, it's better for us to band together than to be apart. That's, that's a, that's a massive component of what we do. But what comes with that is you end up like creating these environments and groups where it's just a bunch of wedding photographers trying to feed off of each other and trying to get referrals from each other and basically yelling into, or, you know, just yelling at, yelling at each other about frustrations and issues and things like that. And they end up yelling into this echo chamber where nothing changes. You don't drive your business forward. Uh, you don't actually create any new 
revenue for your for your business or anything like that doing that. Uh, and, and, and it took me uh, a long time because I, I totally fell into that trap. Like I was part of uh, all kinds of online groups, uh, massive communities. Uh, that SWP BB thing was great. And, and I thought that that was the way. I thought that's how you up-leveled your brand. I thought that's how you got more business. I thought that that was the most uh, supportive environment to be part of. When in reality, all it is is you're literally taking a coffee can and yelling in the coffee can and hoping that something's going to come back out of it. And sometimes stuff does. And sometimes you have these wonderful relationships with more, uh, more successful photographers and they kick you a bone here and there and you get more business and you, you learn some things from each other, which is really, really great. But the second that I stopped doing that and started trying to connect with other individuals in our industry and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and talking to planners, talking to coordinators, talking to florists, talking to stylists, uh, talking to just entities outside of the wedding space in general, uh, that's when the success came. That's when the real, yeah, the real success came. Love it. And that's it, like, that's the, that's the short part of it. it, it there's, there's obviously yeah. much more integral parts. And I, I'm sure you're, you're, you're pretty familiar with it as well. I mean, you, you definitely go to engage and you know, you've, you've gone to uh, lots of other industry events and you, you understand that success doesn't necessarily lie in relying on your, your peer. It relies on, I'm sorry, it, it, it lies in relying on individuals around you that are bringing in business from different directions. Totally. Also, you know, there's the, there was a big thing too, is I remember when, uh, the thing we talked about earlier with a certain venue in Hawaii, having to deal with uh, a little bit of backlash about, uh, people being frustrated with um, fees being charged for shooting on their property and everyone was going crazy. It was on Petapixel, all the blogs are going nuts. And, and then I, I was looking at that and I was like, no one cares. Like, <laughs> this isn't going to change anything. The, the people that actually need to be educated about something like this would be the brides. Right. So that's when I started collecting all that data and putting together or helping putting together that article. And uh, that's just one of those, those situations where they clicked with me like, yeah, yelling into the echo chamber gets you nothing. <laughs> right. It's like complaining. Complaining doesn't do anything. Exactly. Exactly. So every time I hear, you know, a wedding photographer start doing that or start complaining a little too much, I, I try to gently redirect them and say, Hey, that's, that's not going to fix anything. That's not going to do anything for you. That's not going to drive business forward. That's not going to make, you know, make you enjoy what you do more. That's not going to put money in your pocket. That's not going to put food on your table. Move on. <laughs> I guess what, what would good community within the, cause I, I really think there is a pretty cool community within the photography world. Um, I don't think it's a great place to just like complain, but what do you think good community would look like or what would be beneficial within community well, actually, as photographers? See, that's the thing is like, I'm not, I'm not actually saying that the community is bad right now. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think the community is fantastic right now. Um, I think that the, we, for the most part, we all try to support each other a lot. Um, the only thing I, I think I would like to see is a little more, uh, openness when it comes to, discussing technique or discussing, you know, something you think you might have that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it, I, I'm, I actually, I don't have a whole lot of issues with the actual existing community. I just want to challenge people to step outside of it. Yeah. No, that's important as well. And I, I mean, 
I think one of the biggest things too, as whatever you are as an artisan is to be looking outside of your particular field for inspiration, for just design, like ideas, all that sort of stuff. Because if you're just following other wedding photographers, looking at wedding blogs, looking at wedding images, it's really hard to not be shooting just like everybody else, to not be creating the same kind of work. 100%. Like I, I uh, recently bought a, um, a book on ancient Roman sculptures. And, and I, I bought it because of posing. Is it, and it has it spoken to you in certain ways? Like has it drawn inspiration out of you or? Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's one of those things where I think we're all challenged sometimes when we're shooting to worry about poses and how to set people up and having these really classical poses to kind of just reference for, cause these, these artists, these, these, these art artists and sculptors, they, they spent like days figuring out how a hand should look or how hand placement looks more natural. And we don't have that time <laughs> when you're shooting a wedding. So having a little bit of inspiration as to what a nice body posture will look like or how you see two people connecting and holding each other makes a huge difference. One of the things I've really, really enjoyed is uh, when you see pictures or sorry, sculptures of Greek goddesses or groups of women and how they're standing next to each other or how they're holding each other. You can do that with bridesmaids and it looks phenomenal. Yeah, that's major. I think if someone has a little bit more time in their schedule and they're able to make the time for it, I would highly encourage people to go find a local community college and take an art history class or take a photo history class and being able to really, if you've never done that, or even if you did when you were younger, to go back and do it again because of what Paul was just saying, that element of understanding why things were, because as an artist, they are painting things in a very intentional way, you know? So with, with a picture, you sort of like take a picture as it happens, but with, with art, especially like older art, you know, really there's a lot of intention behind it. So understanding that intention and how you were saying too, is like, how do they portray hands? How do they portray connection and being able to take that? It's almost like anything learning an instrument, you know, you've got to, you've got to go through the boring scales and once you master those, then you can start to improvise. Same deal, I think, with any sort of art, like to really understand the background and basis of art, then you can actually go out and improvise knowing what you're doing intentionally. Yeah. yeah it's a, what you know, and I, I think most photographers probably have just sort of fallen into it and have, don't have much of a background and they're just sort of taking what's pretty, which is great, but there's a difference between making a photo versus just taking a photo. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of uh, or actually referring to what you just said, I I, I kind of want to go take an art history class now. <laughs> yeah, do it. I do too. I just can't <laughs> do it. Bring bring the kids. I know. Yeah, one day, <laughs> one day. Um, well, cool. Thanks, thanks so much. And I think if other people want to find you, can you spell out your name so if they don't follow you on Instagram yet, they can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's Paul, so P A U L, and then Vaughn, which is V O N. And my last name is Reiter, and that's R-I-E-T-E-R. I have to do it slow because everybody goes R-E-I-T-R, but it's R-I-E. I before E, yep. except after C. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, man. Well, thanks so much. And then people can look up your website. And if they want to find out more about the workshop that's coming up in, it's at the end of February, early March, right? Are you, is it going to be before WPPI or during? So it's actually happening right before WPPI on the 26th. It's going to be, um, I guess I'll just give more detail about it now. Cause probably by the time okay. that this goes up, it'll, it'll, it'll be live. The, the workshop itself is going to be about a four hour long workshop. It's from 12 to four on the 26th. Uh, the location is very close to Mandalay Bay. We're talking within 10 minutes of a, a little, uh, you know, jaunt in the car. And it should be really, really amazing. Like I said, Carrie Moe is styling it from Type A Society. Uh, we're going to have um, some pretty cool freebies from our sponsors that include refined presets, Fujifilm uh, cameras. Uh, we also have, what is it, SLR Lounge is supporting us. Simple Things LA, those people that make those beautiful little, or the, the wonderful woman who makes those beautiful little plates for styling. Uh, and a couple other things. And one of, the, one of the really cool things about it is we're actually going to give away uh, an XT3 and a 56 1.2 to Whoa. one of the lucky attendants or attendees. Well, cool. Thanks so much for just sharing your knowledge and insight and your care for the industry and how you're educating people, but really appreciate it and loved our convo. Yeah, me too, man. It was great talking to you. Really hoped you loved that episode. And I think there are some really good takeaways from it. That whole idea of stop yelling in the echo chamber. Uh, a guy named Seth Godin, if you haven't heard of him, author. I've talked about him a bunch in this podcast, but he just came out with a book called This Is Marketing. And in it, he says, you know, the best way to complain is to go out there and do something. Go create, go make something that is better than what else is out there. And eventually that will change things, not your complaining. But um, yeah, that sort of idea. And then also just you are responsible for your own success. You're responsible for your own failures. Just get out there and start creating and do. And you don't wait for somebody else to hand it to you. There's no, there's no golden ticket or magic pill you can take. But this is work. And, you know, do it with people that you like and have fun in the process. It's all about the process. So if you like this podcast, there's going to be a lot more coming. Trying to line up a few a week and get anything out there. If you want to you know, leave any comments on stuff that you want to hear about or just response to this show, you can email Braden at BradenPhotography.com and we'd love to hear from you. And yeah, on to the next one.